You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Good morning to the rest of the church. Amen. Hey, it is good to be in God's house. Uh, My name is Matt. And uh, I promise I don't always sound like this. <clears throat> I've been battling a cold all week. So can I go ahead and get grace and permission to snot every once in a while? Um, it's just for your benefit. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you, like, first two rows, y'all might be in the splash zone. Uh, because I'm battling this cold. And so anyway, uh, my name is Matt. And if you're worshiping with us for the very first time today, we are so glad that you're here. Kind of the way we look at things is the moment that you walk into this church, we want to love you and support you and be there for you in any way that we can. Like, um, for the moment you walk in our doors, whether you come back every Sunday or whether you never come back, if you need us, we want to be able to be there for you. And for those of you who, uh, this is your church home and, and you're here every Sunday, we want the same for you. But the best way for us to serve you is we just need to know what you need. Um, and we invite you to communicate those things to us. Uh, we, can't, we can't serve you in ways that we don't know about, um, so take advantage of the various tools we're trying to provide to allow you to do that. One of those is the, is the co- uh, Connect card that you have. Um, that is, especially today, if you're a uh, first time with us today, fill that out. Drop it by the white connection stand that's actually, I think, set up in the lobby today. Um, there's somebody there who just wants to shake your hand. Thank you for worshiping with us and just give you a small token of our gratitude that you chose to take time out of your busy life to hang out with us. But if you're a regular Adventist church and you're wondering, like, how do I stay up to date with what's going on at the church and send prayer requests and get information out there, the best tool to use is our app. It's the Adventist Church app. It's available on um, all the app stores out there. And make sure you download that and send us prayer requests. And you can do push notifications for prayer gatherings and different things that are happening around our church. And so just make sure you take advantage of that because we want to serve you the best way that we can. You know, Um, We were just singing a song called Miracles, and I think sometimes we lose sight that miracles still happen, right? Because we're looking for like the big kind of miracles, like like grow a hand or something, you know what I'm saying? Like big kind of miracles. But I was thinking this week that every Sunday, uh, miracles happen. Every single Sunday, miracles happen. And, and, And one of the miracles is happening like right now, just the fact that you find a way, hey everybody, that you find a way just to get here on Sunday is a miracle. Come on, somebody. And some of y'all are thinking, you don't know how big of a miracle today. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, just getting into this seat, y'all look at me like, I'm crazy. Hey, everybody. And, and, and sometimes, like, it would be a bigger miracle to get you in this seat on time, but that's okay. We're gonna, as, <laughs> as long as you're here before I start preaching, it don't matter. Y'all can miss the rest. It is. I'm just kidding. Band, I love y'all. But come on, like, just get into this seat Sundays. Can you just admit, there's sometimes you come in, you sit here, and you're like, I don't know how I got here, but whew. It's been a week, or it's been a morning. Come on, somebody's with me, right? Say amen. Like, just the fact that, like, you get in this chair, that you find your way to this seat a couple times a month is a miracle with all that's happening and swirling around your lives. And I hope you know, like, that we get that. So, like, even today, the fact that you're in this seat, like, it's a miracle. And God wants to do something in your life. But what, what I want you to understand, too, though, is, like, just getting in that seat is not enough, okay? Um, because you, 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 you've gotten over the first hump, the first hurdle, the first difficult thing is to get in that seat. But can we be honest that there's a lot of times that we sit in those seats and we're so 
consumed and preoccupied with stuff in our lives that what God is trying to do in this room gets kind of lost and drowned out. Amen, somebody. Because I realize, like, you walk into this room and, and you bring all the baggage that is your life with you. And we all do it. And somehow you're trying to get in this seat and tune into God while all those voices are rolling around in your head. And there's all those things. That, and let me just say, can we all agree? There's a lot to worry about. For at least a couple of us. Life's hard. Amen. And the moment you think it's going to get easy, something happens and it gets hard again. And so, like, it's a miracle that you're here, but one of the things that if you're going to get what you need to get out of this time here every Sunday, then, then you have to find a way to kind of overcome those things that want to worry you. Because what the enemy's doing is he's bringing all those worries and all those responsibilities and all those things that you have to think about and process and deal with in your mind. And, and he's just using them as a distraction. And what I know, like, what I've figured out, the more I interact with people, the more I deal with people, that no matter kind of where you come from or what your background is or whatever, a lot of us share many of the same worries on so many different levels. And today, I'll, I'm going to talk about a worry that I guarantee you all of us have. And, and perhaps this might be the thing that you worry about the most in this life. Matter of fact, I'll show it to you. There it is. See, some of y'all think I'm holding a dollar. But I will submit to you, I'm holding a representation of the number one stressor in your life. I'm holding a representation of the thing that, that you worry about, probably think about, deal with, the most. And I already know what's happening. There's a preacher holding money. Where's the nearest exit? Like, it's already uncomfortable. But can we be honest that, that this, for pretty much all of us, consumes thought and worry of nearly every day of our lives? Are we going to be honest today? Like, like this thing right here, probably caused tension or an argument in every household represented in this room at some point in the last seven days. Now, there may be some exceptions. And you know what I've discovered? This dominates time and energy, whether you have a lot of it or whether you have a little of it. Now, some people are thinking, I'd like to try that lot of it part. There's some people thinking, Matt, like I could use that dollar. Can I have it, please? I'll take that one, like, but man, what I've discovered in my life and what I've discovered in the lives of the people that I'm close with and the conversations that I have is this right here. It dominates our lives a lot, does it not? Come on, somebody. It is, and perhaps I would almost submit to you this right here is the number one competitor for God's rightful place in your life. And that if we don't figure out how to put this in its place, the amount of worry and stress and frustration and anxiety that it creates in our lives is going to do nothing but grow. And so over the next couple of weeks, I just want us to have a conversation. 
about how to put this in, in its place. Because see, here's there's people in the room, you're thinking, man, there's some people in the room just figuring out how you're going to put food on the table until your next paycheck is a big part of what's dominating your mind when you walked in this morning. There's some people this week, there's something that you got to pay that you can't afford to pay. Or for some people, you know what, maybe you're not in, the, in, in, in that position in life, but you're thinking on different levels. You're thinking, she's getting married. How in the world am I ever going to pay for that wedding? College is coming soon, and we don't have anything saved. Like, come on, like, we find ways to worry about money. Come on. It's constantly there. And as uncomfortable as it gets, and I know that when, when, when a preacher starts talking about money, people get all puckered up and uncomfortable, and it gets awkward. I get that. But can we just all let the air out of the room and realize it is, if not one of the top, the top place thing that causes us to worry and stress on a consistent basis. Amen, somebody. It is. So we have to have a conversation about it. You know what's funny? Like, I even, like, I didn't, all week I've been struggling about this series. Every, every time we start a new series, we, we post a graphic about the series promoting that series. And this week we did that, and it was promoting a financial series. And I even started thinking, you know what? There'll be people that don't show up at church on Sunday because they know we're going to talk about money. And they're like, I'll come back when that's over. Can I just say that probably is an indicator of the position that this has in your life. And my goal over the next couple of weeks is just to put money in its place. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm tired of watching what it's doing to people that I love and care about. I'm tired of the, wa- of the way it's destroying joy and relationships and the havoc that it's wreaking. And if we can take one more thing off that list of worry where we can maybe be freed up and being able to be more in tune and less cluttered in our hearts and minds and hear from the Lord, then I think we can accomplish something. And so I want to dive into the words of Jesus this morning. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Here is, is in the middle of, of Jesus' most famous sermon. You may have heard it called the Sermon on the Mount. And if you go a big chunk of the very middle of Matthew's gospel, is dedicated to this one sermon that Jesus preached. And apparently Jesus didn't go through like sermon training because you ain't supposed to preach about all the topics he does in one sermon. And he preaches about everything, everything from prayer to money to divorce, like all these different topics Jesus covers. And Jesus said some things right here in the heart of this sermon about this issue that I think we need to just be reminded of. Matthew chapter 6, start with verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So before Jesus starts talking about money, do you see what he's doing? He's saying, make sure that you're investing in your, your life in things that matter. Make sure you're pouring yourself the resources I've given you, not just money, but the time, energy, talent, leadership, all the things that I've put in you. Make sure you're investing those things in things that are going to last and things that are going to be 
eternal and not the things that are temporary. And when we are really honest about our lives, look at how much time and energy and money we sink into things that, can we be honest, don't matter. If I could just get you to look over the last seven days of your life and think about where you invested financially, time, gifts, energy. How much did you spend investing in things that are going to be here in a month or a year or a decade or long after you're gone? Think about how much time we waste on junk that, forgive my grammar, don't matter. And Jesus is saying, hey, because he's trying to teach us a principle that before he talks about money and these other issues, you guys say there has to be a, something that switches in your life. Where you value the eternal more than the temporary. Where you value what's going to last long term more than what's going to give you temporary pleasure. And I don't think you can ever slay the money monster until that switches in your spirit. When things that are eternal, when things that are lasting, when the things of God matter more than just the things that are going to give you that quick fix. But that's a whole other sermon. Verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And now some people are thinking, like, what's he talking about there? Can I just tell you that I think God's teaching us about perspective. He's saying, you know what? If your perspective is wrong, if your perspective is off, then everything else is going to be off. And he's challenging them to change their perspective because you can never end in the right spot if you don't start from the right position. And he's saying, you need to check your perspective on all this thing that is life. And you know what? Can we all, life has a way of messing with your perspective and making us very, get tunnel vision and, and narrow-minded and narrow-focused. And, and Jesus is saying, all right, hey, see, he's setting the groundwork before he really hits them with the next truth about money. Because see, it's, it's not about money. It's much bigger than that. And then he says this, keep reading. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, Jesus is trying to challenge them to put money in its proper place. And see, I think somewhere along the way, we've convinced ourselves that like, like greed and, and, and the love of money has become, it's, it's kind of a new thing. It's a, it's a Western culture thing. But I think it goes back, you know why Jesus was kind of challenging on this? Because I think he was watching money consume people's lives, become their God, become their idol, and he was challenging them to deal with that. Because we have to be honest about the role that this plays in our life so that we can deal with it appropriately. And you know, we've convinced ourselves of a lot of different things. There's all these things, these, these perceptions about money that we've driven up in our minds to make us feel better about what it is. There's even come a point where sometimes I hear people think, almost talking like, somehow poverty is more holy, and somehow wealth is more blessed. And I would submit to you, neither one of those are true. I don't think there's anything real noble about being broke. And I don't think that there's anything that, that indicates that you are more blessed just because you have financial wealth. 
that God wants us to put this, this thing in its place. So that, that it is not the thing that dominates our minds, creates stress and worry in our spirits. And so, let's have a conversation. Let's really talk about what it's going to take so that this isn't something that's always stressing you out. So it's not constantly dominating your mind. So it's not constantly working in your life in such a way that's causing you to be robbed of joy and understanding of who God is and what he wants to unleash in your life. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, I don't think God does not want you to have money. I just think God doesn't want money to have you. And to do that, we need to, we need to deal with some things. I, I just read a book. It's called Master Your Money. And it's by a guy named Ron Blue. And because, you know what, we're, we're all in this position of trying to figure out. And again, this isn't for the purpose of how to get wealthy. All right? I'm, let me, let, you understand that. Like, the whole point of this series is not for you to, all right, Matt, give me the, pr- the principle so that I can be rich. That ain't happening. You know, sometimes we even do stupid things like call these series to be rich. And you know what? Even there's been times we call financial freedom. Because it's almost like we're going to, you, you're coming here expecting we're going to give the, you these principles that's going to make you wealthy or, or, or solve all your money problems. Number one, your money problems, they probably weren't created overnight. We ain't going to fix them in a two-week series. Come on. And you know what? There's a lot of things about money that I just, but here's the thing. My goal is for us to put money in its place. Not so that you can figure out how to have more of it necessarily, but so that less of it can have hold of your heart. So that somehow you can walk out of here over the next few weeks and not feel like you have to worry all the time about the financial issues that are happening in your life. That's my goal. And Ron Blue wrote this book. And, and, and some of the principles that I'm going to pull over the next couple weeks come out of it. And what's interesting about this book is Ron, uh, Ron, Ron's a wealthy man. The guy who wrote this book is a wealthy man. But he, he had established a business, made a lot of money, did different things. And then his wife found Jesus. He wasn't a believer. When his wife got saved and found Christ, he looked at her and said, your faith will be what ends our marriage. Because I'm, I'm not getting into that. Because he, w- he was in love with money. Money was what drove him. He wanted to be financially just doing as best he can. His goal was to be a billionaire. And when his wife found Jesus, he was convinced that Jesus was going to make him change all these things that he wanted to do about money, and money was his idol. But you know what was interesting that he, he unveils in the book is every principle that he applied to his life before he found Christ that caused him to have success in money were things that were in the Bible and he didn't even know it. They were biblical principles that he had been applying and he didn't know it. And so God just began to change some things in his life. And actually, one of the first things he does, he walks through these different stages of financial being. I'm not even going to walk through all those because most of us are on that struggling end. Come on. And so, like, he talks about, like, these different positions of, of life or where you're struggling, surviving, stable, secure, and surplus. And I'm thinking, the best I can hope for is, like, surviving, maybe stable. Come on. Surplus? No, nah, bro, that ain't happening. You know what I mean? You just say, but here's the thing, whether you, no matter what position in life you're in with, with finances, what I'm convinced of, it can just as easily be a stressor for the most wealthy person in this room as much as it is for the poorest person in this room. And what I find is, unless you settle this issue, no matter where you are on this scale, money is still going to dominate your worry and going to continue to be a source of stress in your life. So here's the question, how do we get to that place? I'm not always worrying about it. 
How do I get into a position where every single day we're not fighting about it? How do I get in a place financially when I can sleep at night? What's the answer? Like, well, what's, what, what's the secret? How do, how do we do that? And now I think there, there are some preachers out there that want to tell you, oh, just give more. Like, if you give more, you'll be good. You just give to Jesus and you tithe and you give your money and you write your checks and God will bless you and everything will be great. Pass the offering, amen. Like, I've, I've heard that sermon. Now, there's people told you, oh, if you just give more, you just give more, and God take it. Now, let me just go into, I believe in generosity. I, I, believe, in, I believe in tithing. I believe that, that the first 10% of what God has given me, I give back to his church. And can I be honest with you? I don't do that because I feel obligated by a biblical command. I don't do that because I believe that by doing that, God's going to financially bless me. I do that because I believe that the local church is the agent to carry the message of the gospel to the world, and it's worth investing in. That's why I do it. But let me tell you something. It ain't solved my money problems yet. And now I believe God honors obedience. I do. And I believe God does things in his part. I, I believe all that. But I can't stand up here and tell you, well, if you just give more and all your because you like, like, so the answer to my financial problems is for me to give more of it away. Like, I believe being obedient is a good step. But you know what? I, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you the key, the, the thing that's going to answer all your money problems is just give more. Come on. Now, the next thing is the one we're convinced of, if I could just earn more. Like, that's what we believe. If I could get more of this, then that would be the trick. Come on. I'll tell you, Matt, what will answer my financial problems. You talk to my boss, tell him he need to give me a raise. I've been working that company for a long time. I, do, I work more than he does. Right? Come on. Like, some of, like we're convinced that earn more. And you're, you're saying, Matt, like if you're going to tell me otherwise, that's fine, but let's just try that earning more thing first. It's funny, man. I remember like when, like most of when Ashley and I first got married, we, you know, she wasn't working yet. And, and, and my first job, you know, a good date was Blockbuster and Domino's because that's all we could afford. And then it was bad because you know you'd take the tape back about three days late and you'd have a late fee, so you had to find another video store to go to because you couldn't pay the late fee to the other one. So you'd be jumping from, we'd like, well, we got to drive 30 miles to the next Blockbuster because we owe a late fee at that one. I think I still owe a Blockbuster in Seneca, South Carolina, like $120. I'm the reason why they went broke. Now some of y'all look at me like, why didn't you just stream it? Because you couldn't stream it. It was VHS, bro. <laughs> but I remember thinking, my first job as youth pastor, I made $22,000 a year. I remember thinking, if I could make $32,000, I'd have enough money, I'd be swimming in it. Like, I would have an MTV Cribs kind of house. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, what's MTV Cribs? I don't, what's MTV? I was convinced. And you know, every time you get a little bit, you know what's happening? I don't know about y'all, but when I make more money, guess what I do? I spend more money. And that will always be the case. Yeah, earning more money, I ain't gonna lie, that's gonna help. But if money's not in its proper place, it ain't going to help enough. Because it's still going to be controlling you more than you're controlling it. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Now, Ecclesiastes was written by a really wise, maybe the wealthiest man to ever pen scripture. Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever lo loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. 
Basically saying, like, I tried that. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money. Now notice that. It doesn't say money's evil. Money's, money's, money's pretty good. But you know what it says? For the love of money. When money is in its wrong place, when money has you instead of you having it for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. All right, so if we're going to find a way to make this thing not as big a source of worry and stress in our lives as it has currently been, if, if, if just giving more is not the issue, then what is? If, if just earning more is not the issue, then what is? Like, how do we start getting into that place where we can start stepping towards something new? Well, Ron gives these principles, and he says these are things he had done his whole life that he found in Scripture. Spend less than you earn. Imagine that. We've got a government that can't even do that. My bad. My bad. Avoid the use of debt. Because you know what? You know, you know, you know the thing about money you borrow? They want you to pay it back. Yeah, for real. Build margin. Now, some people think, well, is that hoarding money? Now, I'm talking about, like, you know, there's times we need to build margin because I don't know about you, but my saved money never gets to go into anything fun. Come on. Like, every time you save some money, you think, oh, we're going to use this to buy something or go to the beach. No, the refrigerator just broke or the car went. Come on. Set long-term goals because there's things you want to accomplish in your life. And, of course, give generously. Now, I could walk through a series and go through each one of those, but you know what? I'll, I'm not going to do that, really. I'm going to focus on the first one and the last one over the next couple of weeks. But can you imagine a world where we spend less than we earn? And I would just say that, like, we can't get to the rest of this because this is the hardest thing on that list to convince our culture to ever try to do, is to spend less. To spend less than you earn. Now, let me go ahead and I, I realize there are some people in the room that legitimately, you look at me and say, Matt, like I can't spend less. Like I've whittled my life down to the bare essentials. Like basically, I'm, I'm keeping a roof over my family's head, I'm keeping the water and the lights turned on, and I'm keeping just enough food on the table so we don't go hungry. There are probably some people in this room that are in that situation. And I'm praying that God continues to, to do some things in your life. And I want you to know, can, can you, if there's ever a moment that you need your church family to help in those situations, you need to reach out to us because that's what we're here for. But can I submit to you that I, would, I strongly believe that that type of situation is few and far between in our culture. And that if we really want to slay this money monster, we need to spend less. Because you think about how much money we spend on stuff we do not have to have. Stuff like we don't need. And if money is a source of stress in your life, the first thing that I need us to know that we need to be challenged to do is to find a way to spend less. There are things in our lives that we're spending money on that we're honest, we're honest with ourselves. We don't have to have. We don't have to have the grande mocha macchiato from Starbucks, as good as it is. And it's like $8. Get you some 8 o'clock coffee from the Walmart, bro. I mean, it's, it'll work. 
Can we believe it or not? You don't have to have satellite and cable. You don't have to have Netflix. Oh, it's only $8. You know, that's the mentality we have. Well, it's only $8. It's only $5. It's only $6. Next thing you know, it's been a month. You spent $400 with only this and only that. What if we could spend, and see, right now, I'm throwing out a concept that for a lot of people, you're like, dude, you're crazy. What you talking about? But we have gotten ourselves into this position where we're, we don't have the courage to spend less because we're so convinced that we need certain things. And, and, and maybe the biggest object to you spending less is your own pride. Because you feel like, well, I, at this place in my life, I should be able to afford this. Well, you can't. And understanding that and realizing it is important. What if we could spend less? What if we got to the place in our lives? And now, let me go ahead and say, I have some people at the first service like, man, I, I bought Starbucks this week. I feel like crap. That's not my goal. If you hear me say amen, that's not my goal. My goal is not for you to feel guilty about the, mo- about the things that you have, because I don't think you can be guilty and grateful at the same time. But what I'm saying is, if money is a, is, a, is a source of stress for you, if you're constantly worrying about it, if you're constantly having more month than you got money, can I invite you to have the courage to spend less? But you know what? I think before you're going to be willing to do this, a couple things have to happen in your life. If you're going to spend less, it, be- it begins with perspective and stewardship. The first thing that's got to happen is your perspective on your money has to change. If you're going to be, because you know why most of us spend? Because you know what? It is for me and it is from me. I worked hard for it. Nobody else worked hard for it. You know how many hours I spent? You know how much I have to deal with every single day just to earn one of these? And because I worked so hard and I did so much, I've earned it. It's mine. I'm going to do with it whatever I want. As long as we live with that perspective, you're going to have money problems. But when you realize that this ain't for you or from you, it's from God and it's for him. And I don't mean just the 10% you give the church or whatever you give. I mean all, every single dime that you have is because God's allowed you to have it. And when you begin to see that every single one of these I get is from him and for him, it will change the way you spend money. It will change the way you spend money. First Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given only what comes from your hand. See, when your perspective is everything I have is from God and for God, then you allow him to have a say in what you do with it. And when you have, allow him to have a say in what you do with it, you'll stop doing dumb things with it. Come on. Because this is what I've understood. This is what I've learned. Giving faithfully plus spending thoughtlessly still equals financially broke. See, there's some people thinking, well, I've been giving. I've been tithing. I've been doing all these things, and I'm still broke because you're still doing dumb things with the other 90%. Giving faithfully but spending thoughtlessly will equal financially broken. And when you realize that, hey, man, God needs to have a say in how I spend all my money. And don't misinterpret that as saying I'm asking you for anything. What I'm saying is, like, what if you consulted God? What if, what if every spending decision was a spiritual decision? 
ever thought about that? What if every spending decision was a spiritual decision? And you allow God to speak wisdom and direction into how you, what you did with all, what if, you know what, before you bought that car, here's a car, what if you prayed about it for a few days instead of just an impulse and emotion signing that lease? What if you prayed, Matt, that's getting a little deep. Yeah, what, here's crazy. What if God was a part of every part of your life? What if he was involved in everything? What if you looked to scripture and prayer and, and, and wise counsel from mature believers before you did anything and allowed God to speak into your life? Proverbs 3, you know this verse, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. You know what I think he means right there? That we should submit to him in all our ways. It's good preaching, ain't it? Like in everything that we do, we should submit to him. No matter, no matter how big or small it is, that everything that we do, every part of our lives is saturated with his presence and his spirit in such a way that his divine hand is directing all that we do. Then from that perspective, we would steward things well. And I think you would start to see some changes in your financial situation. But the other, there's another thing that has to happen. Not only does perspective and stewardship need to be a part of your life, dependence and contentment also has to happen. First thing you've got to realize is you're dependent on God. See, some of us are operating like we're dependent on this. Like this is where I find happiness. This is where I find joy. This is where I can buy that next thing that'll fill that hole in my heart. Like, this is what I need to, to, to wear the clothes that I need to have to make me feel like the person I need to be. I need that bigger house. I need that car. I need, like, like, some of us have been in that place where you had a bad day and just going spending a few dollars, man, it'll make you feel good. Ladies. And guys. And see, when you realize that, like, you're not dependent on this for your identity, you're not dependent on this for your joy. You're not dependent on this to be whole and healthy and well. And see, there's some people like, you, you think I'm talking to the people that don't have a lot of this, but there's some people like, you're hoarding this, and that's your God. And you're thinking like, and I know there's a fine line, you, we need to save, we need to be, I, I get all that. But you know what, you're, you're, you become, your safety net is this instead of God. And you put more trust in your future in this than you have God. And don't misunderstand me. You need to prepare for the future. You need to do those kinds of things. But can we all admit there's a limit when that's keeping you from doing other things that God wants you to do with your resources? It's become an idol just as much as anything. You with me? Am I making sense? De dependence and contentment. We are, we are a culture that throws perfectly good things away all the time. I don't need an iPhone 8, but I've been looking at it. It's kind of cool. When they announce it in June, I'm going to be interested. Come on, we do like, like we up, we're an upgrade culture. These people, we even upgrade our spouses sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we do all kinds of upgrading. Because we're convinced that, you know what, the moment it's not good or the moment it ain't working in that moment, then we need, to, we need to move on. We need to go to the next thing. We need to, the grass is going to be greener. I need that thing. It offers, you know what, it has one more feature than my old thing did, so I got to have it. And we just fall out of contentment with so much of our lives, and that just pushes us to move on and pushes us deeper into a hole, often financially. Philippians chapter 4, listen to what Paul said. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that I, at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And then verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned 
to be content in whatever the circumstances. Like Paul's telling me that like that, I wasn't naturally content. It was something that I had to learn over time. Because I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That finding dependence on God and contentment in who he's created us to be is vital to slaying that money monster. Ecclesiastes, again, Solomon, he said, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. We gotta learn to be content. Whether we want to admit it or not, this right here is perhaps the single greatest source of stress and worry and frustration and tension and argument in most of our lives. And for that to change, I think it begins with spending less of it. But that'll never happen until something changes in our perspective and we become better stewards and we learn to be dependent and content with what he's given us. So today, I want to finish with what Jesus would say next. It's interesting that just after he challenged these people about money, when, before he really moves on to much else, what he says next, in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25, I don't think it's coincidence. So he's talking about money, he's talking about putting money in its place and making sure that it doesn't become the wrong thing in our lives. And he says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, he, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. This is what I want to do right now. I want to speak to the people who are in this room and you're worried. You're worried. I've hit a button in your life today. Money is, for maybe quite some time, been something that you've worried about and it's caused stress in your life and it's caused intention in your marriage and it's, it's got you where you're sleepless at night and you're, you're exhausted with it. 
can I, just, can I just breathe some hope in your life and just say that Jesus just said, you don't have to worry. And we just let your Heavenly Father do some work in your life today. There's two things I want you to ask God for. Two very specific things. If money is a worry and stressor in your life, number one, I want you to ask God for a plan. What's your plan going to be? See, God, you're going to have to take action. It ain't going to fix itself. It's not going to go away. God, what's, God, give me a plan. Give me wisdom. Give me some action I need to take. Give me, give me something, Lord. Give me some discernment of what my plan's going to be. Then I'm going to ask you just to pray for peace. A plan and peace. Plan and peace. God, give me a plan to make the changes that you know I need to make in my life so that money is not the monster in my life it has been before and it does not master me. Give me a plan. And secondly, God, give me peace. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. But if that's you, over the next few moments as we worship, would you just allow the Holy Spirit to just minister to your heart and speak into you and breathe life into you? Father, thank you for your word. And God, I pray for those in the room where money has just begun to dominate them. God, and they walked into this room, and even throughout this message, it's been hard to hear, and it's been a struggle. And God, I pray that you would give wisdom where wisdom is needed. God, help us to, to formulate a plan that we're going to have to work, and it maybe take some time, and help us understand that these things won't be fixed in an instant or overnight. But God, we believe that through your wisdom and through the things that you've outlined in Scripture that we can begin to step towards some victory in this area of our lives. And God, give us a peace just to trust you, Lord, to allow you to just ease our minds when Satan tries to use this issue to rob us of joy and to build frustration into our lives. Father, as we worship you now, I pray that your spirit would just do work in this room and that people would respond to whatever it is you're telling them. In Jesus' name, stand with me. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.